Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. No honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work and got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place daddy that's hard time want to talk to the guys on sports talk saturday call or text us now you put hard times on this country by taking dusty roads out that's hard time sports talk saturday on wgr you know frankly i'm surprised i haven't been you know replaced by computers at this point Hard times, Dad. Hard times, but you know, like here's what I'll say: I, if if someone is easily replaced by a computer, it's me, right? I mean, you just manufacture some hot takes, you talk in complete sentences, and let other people take the glory. I mean, that is that is that's my job. So, um, well, welcome in everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Erie here in my normal post on uh, Sports Talk Saturday, bringing you to two p.m. today, and our uh, our only. As of late, COVID-wise, our only local coverage here on Saturday mornings on WGR. And uh, I've got a nice little show put together for you. Um, Today is the first Sports Talk Saturday that is officially the NFL offseason. So um, we'll talk a little bit of that today. We'll talk a little Bills offseason, and uh, we'll do that throughout the program. I've got... um, Coming up at noon is Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate, of course, which uh, I'm sure everybody knows at this point, Ryan. Ryan's going to join us at noon. Rich Samini, he covers the Jets for ESPN. He's going to join us at 1230. Greg Thompson at 1 o'clock. We're going to take a quick uh, a quick timeout from Talking Football at 1130 to get a quick update from Paul Hamilton, who is in uh, who is at Key Bank Center, and uh, he actually just tweeted out, amongst others, that uh, Taylor Hall is back at practice today, which means he is officially off the COVID list and will be returning to play. The Sabres are back in action on Monday after nearly two weeks off due to 
some unforeseen circumstances thanks to or extremely foreseen circumstances uh, i think that's that's the way to really put it is incredibly predictable circumstances of having a team with an outbreak go against a team that wasn't having an outbreak and now that other team has the outbreak and has two weeks to uh, to prepare for their next game so we'll talk a little bit um about the sabers with paul at 11 30 what the sabers have been doing over the last two weeks or so to prepare themselves and keep themselves sharp um i can't imagine it's it's an easy thing for any any team particularly in the nhl uh, to sit around um, and and not play games while the rest of the league is, uh, knowing that you're sort of tallying, you're just you're just behind the eight ball, and the Sabers are going to end up playing a lot of four and five game week schedules, and that's not going to be easy as the rest of the season carries on. So Paul will join us at 11:30 live from Key Bank Center to talk some Sabers with me as well. And what I wanted to start the program today talking about are the Bills, obviously, and one of the things that I keep thinking of, well, the Bills and some of the other things that have been happening across the league because. This is going to likely be an offseason, <clears throat> unlike any that I've been a part of, at least in, at least in, in the better part of like a decade. Um, and and the reason I say that isn't because you know there are some sort of level of really high end talented veteran players that are becoming available. I think that will likely be the case. To be honest, um, I think right now if you go on like Spot Track or Pro Football Focus, or you go on one of these websites, and you're like me, and you like to like go through the free agent list every day. Like That list is going to continue to grow over the next several weeks. It started to grow yesterday when the Houston Texans, Texans granted J.J. Watt the release he had been requesting, um, making him available and on the market and, and a free agent. I, I suspect that he'll make his free agent decision here pretty shortly. Um, I know he he kind of mentioned and, and put on in a statement that he was going to take the weekend um, to sort of really think about his options, but I know the Bills, um, I can confirm that the Bills are one of the teams that are very interested in bringing J.J. Watt Watt in what that price potentially looks like for Watt will be interesting, and I'll 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 be paying close attention as the next days and weeks sort of um, play out to see ultimately what the teams in his final three end up being. I I'd be hard pressed to think the Bills don't have a legitimate shot at JJ Watt, and I guess the question becomes is do, do you want JJ Watt and you know, I think that's part of what we're going to talk about today with Greg Thompson and Ryan Ryan Talbot is, you know, do we want J.J. Watt? Do we, do, we, do we think that the Bills going out and spending the money that it'll take to acquire J.J. Watt at 32 years old when I, I think if you look at the last five or ten seasons of – you know, elite level pass rushers that get to the age 32 season and they see significant, and I mean significant drop offs after that. And I know I, I had buddies that were kind of pointing to yards per pass. Um, John Ramsey on Twitter uh, pointing to, um, you know, Reggie White season. Reggie White was signed at the age of 32 by the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, I, I think that. The only other guy that that saw an increase or at least was able to maintain their production from a pass rush and sack perspective was, oh shoot, well, now, now I can't think of his name, uh, Harrison, James Harrison, is the only guy after the age of 32 that that had more sacks than the year prior. So I, I, I wouldn't bank on you signing J.J. Watt and him coming in here and changing the identity of the defense. I think from a leadership and from a locker room, and I think from an overall clout perspective, I think having the rest of the league see that the Buffalo Bills were able to go out, acquire, and sign um, J.J. Watt would probably mean a lot for, I think, Brandon Bean's reputation. But outside of just a purely reputation perspective, what does J.J. Watt bring to the table at this point in his career and and I think other than a part-time pass rusher um I, and I don't know that you need that right now I think you need game changers and I know and I know that 
that is probably sounds a little naive and it sounds a little ignorant. Of course, everybody needs game-changing, you know, pass rushers, and and they're not just available for everyone to go and get. And I think for the Bills' perspective, they need to find a way. This is going to be one of the most interesting off seasons, and I don't think people, I don't think I've heard enough people in particular talking about this point that this is going to be an off season where you see a handful of the top tier guys, not just mid tier, but like top level free agents. And I'm, let's go back to like last year and think about this, and think about some of the big signings last year, or even if you want to just think about some of the guys this year that I could be talking. I think Matt Milano is a really good example of this. Matt Milano sort of fits in a group of. I think you could argue he's probably the top tier, top three or four at his position that are available in free agency, and typically that guy gets overpaid with years and 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 total salary. Right, that that's a guy that gets a five year deal and probably gets two to five million per year more than he probably should. That is just in years past. That's Matt Milano's the kind of guy that's primed to get overpaid. And you look at last year. Look at a couple of the Bills free agents. I think Shaq Lawson and and Phillips. Jordan Phillips, both got overpaid. Both were paid three-year, $30 million contracts, and I don't think either of those guys are $10 million a year players, and I think the Bills were smart to let them walk. And my question is, at this point of their career, how much more is J.J. Watt giving you than Shaq Lawson is at $10 million? I think it's a totally fair question to ask. And I think the answer to that question isn't necessarily as black and white as you might want it to be. I, I think that they're very different players. So, you know, using those two in a vacuum may not be the best comparison, but I think the dollar amounts will likely be similar. You know, Greg Thompson does a lot of uh, salary cap predicting, and he's pretty darn good at it. That's why we're going to talk to him at 1 o'clock. And, you know, I, he's kind of on record thinking that, you know, J.J. Watt's going to be in the $10 million a year sort of mark. And if that's the case... Think about what you're doing to get rid of and to create $10 million worth of space. You're definitely getting rid of Mario Addison. You're getting rid of Vernon Butler. And you're likely getting rid of Quentin, Je- Quentin Jefferson, which means you're getting rid of some versatility there in Quentin Jefferson, a guy that I actually like a little bit um, in a long-term role here in Buffalo as a guy that can move both inside and outside. Um, but what you're getting with J.J. Watt at this point, I don't know. I'm, I'm with it. I wouldn't be against the move if Brandon Bean decided, like, yeah, this is the guy that we want. And and I think three years ago, I would have been, man, I'd have been ringing the bell on this. This is this would be this would be a move that's a no brainer for me. But at thirty two, I've got reservations about JJ Watt. Can you get him at a salary cap number? Can you give him a lot of money without him costing a lot against the cap? Aren't, because aren't, if you can do that, then I'm more interested in that. Aren't the Bills already old at the edge? They are old at the edge. They're incredibly old at the so edge. They are one of the oldest defensive lines in the league. Right. So, like, Jerry Hughes is, what, 34? Wow. Something like that? Um, maybe he's not. Maybe he's 32. He's just been here forever. But Mario Addison is in the same Jerry ballpark. Jerry Hughes is 32. Mario Addison is, I believe, the same age. Right. And then J.J. Watt's going to be the same way. So you're just going to have a, a bunch of guys who are... Cr- Mario Addison's 33. Crusting or on the downside, probably, at that position. And... The Star Latulale's thirty-one. Jeez, man! Like they, I, yeah. When, when I thought about the Bills' defensive line, I've thought they got to get fast, man. They're, I mean, not necessarily small, but they got to get faster. They got to get to the edge, or they got to get to the sideline quicker because they've been beat that way, especially in defending against the run and the defending against people who are evasive. And I'm, you know, you watch the game against, but the Super Bowl and Tampa. How did Tampa Bay beat? Uh, Patrick Mahomes. One, Patrick Mahomes was on one leg. But also, they kept coming at him. 
in waves. One guy would push him to a spot towards the end, and when Mahomes would evade that, there would be another guy in the next wave ready to continue the pursuit from a new position which meant that you had to have people spread out across the field yeah. and able to get there. It wasn't just ball hawking. It wasn't four guys converging on the spot. It was in echelon, people coming at Patrick Mahomes to keep him active and busy and never letting him get set. And they were very... Here's the other thing, and this is something you can't really... You can't duplicate, especially right now, because of your cost restrictions, and just in terms of your the available money you have on hand to go and pay players, is... The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have too deep at almost every position along that defensive line, and that's what the Bills want. The problem is is the drop-off that you got and clearly got this year when you didn't have Starla Tule, you didn't have the physicality up front. And to me, your speed argument, I think it, I think there's something to think about with the speed argument because I do think that there needs to be a level of playing speed that they see a little bit of an increase in this year. I, I totally agree with that. But where I'm almost a little bit more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, maybe I. This is what I'm almost requiring more than speed is physicality at the at the point of attack. Guys that can just win one on one battles. And in the middle of this defense right now, they rely on a lot of finesse players: Vernon Butler, Quinton Jefferson, uh, Phillips. Uh, Ed Oliver is a power guy at, at in a sense, but not when he is forced to play in double teams. And almost all year, the one guy in that Bills defensive line, other than Jerry Hughes, that you can make the argument needs to be double teamed is Ed Oliver. If you're and, gonna rush for you need two guys that can draw a double team. and Right, or, or at least have the threat of two guys Correct. that can draw a double team. And they didn't last year. And I think that really hurt Ed Oliver's progression in year two. I suspect to see a better Ed Oliver in year three. The question for me becomes, is, is how do you become a more physically dominant unit up front? And I think that goes for both offense and defensive line. And I think the more we talk about this team cutting players the more you have to realize what that means what the potential lagging indicators are of cutting a John Brown to make room to make off defensive and offensive line moves because if you cut John Brown and I was talking with Eric Eric Turner about this this morning via text you cut John Brown you can do that because you have the depth at wide receiver but what if what if Gabe Davis goes down with injury what if Cole Beasley goes down with injury which it happened. And and I was listening to um, Tyler Dunn's podcast just with Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic. Matthew Fairburn makes a great point I've heard anybody make yet. What if Cole Beasley and, and Stephon Diggs look at each other and say, we deserve more money? And what? who would we be to say that they don't? Correct. You know, it really both is. of them do. Both of them deserve. They both. Stephon Diggs has a legitimate argument to make to management and say, "I was the best receiver in the league last year. I did you guys a favor by playing under a really a low level contract. I think I deserve a little bit more money. Yeah. I'm not going to hold out for it, mm-hmm. but know that I think I deserve that." And Cole Beasley could say, "Hey, I'm in my mid 30s. There isn't many left for me, and I'm coming off a career year. I think I deserve a little raise." And each of them would have a very good point. That's right. And, I mean, considering, the man, they made the AFC Championship game, and their depth was absolutely tested, man. Yeah. Like, they had guys Isn't it were- funny? Because all year, one of the things you could say about the Bills is, wow, this team is deep. And I would make the argument that from 1 to 54, or however many roster guys they have, the Bills are probably from top to bottom one of the deeper teams, meaning their 54th guy is a guy that can come in and play. Right. And not every team can say that. And I think along the offensive line for a long time, we were all under the impression that, hey, this offensive line, they may not have the studs at the top, but all the way to the bottom of the roster, they have guys that can come in and and do the job. And look competent. 
And then I think this year happened, and I think towards the end of the season happened, and I think we saw really good things from Ike Butker, who I do think has the potential to be a starting caliber left guard in the league if the Bills want to go that route and they want to surround him with some more talent. I've got I, – I am with Eric Turner on this, and I don't want to see John Feliciano as the starter moving forward. If they want to bring back Feliciano, here's the thing. Here's the here's a here's a point of that I really want to make about free agency and signing your own. And why the idea of signing your own isn't always as smart as it sounds because everyone says, "Hey, draft well and retain." Ha! That's easy, right? But what about the guys like Daryl Williams? What about the guys like John Feliciano? For when they were think about when each of those guys were brought in. Did you think that Daryl Williams was going to be the starting right tackle and have the season that he had? I'll tell you, no. When John Feliciano came in, he was a depth player. Mm -hmm. He was brought in to be a swing guy that could play all the interior positions, and hopefully you wouldn't have to see him play. And he just so happened to, when he came in the game, played pretty darn good. It was a surprise, is what I'm saying. And and so was Williams. And the, the judgments of these players are always against the guys who are already on your team. So there are internal evaluations. So Feliciano stays in the game, not because he's better than the guy who's across from him. He's in the game because he's better than the dude who's in the locker room with him. And that's the key point. And and I think you always have to be careful when you're looking at a guy like John Feliciano or you're looking at a guy like Darrell Williams who are looking to get paid based on the things they did in one season. And considering what we knew about Darrell Williams, how much high-level play are you going to expect to get from Darrell Williams? Are you expecting him to be as good or better than he was last year, this upcoming year? Because if you're betting on that, don't bet with my money. Don't bet with, don't bet with Brandon Bean's money. That's what I'm trying to say here is I don't want and I would and the reason I'm bringing this up is I would rather see the Bills go draft Liam Eikenberg from Notre Dame at right tackle at the 30th the 30th pick, and have him walk in as a day-one starter under rookie-controlled contract for four years and a fifth-year fifth year, uh, option at right tackle because I think ultimately he's a guy that can step in and you know in five years from now he's likely going to be playing his best football. Where is Daryl Williams? What is he doing in five years? Is he in the league in five years? These are questions I think you have to ask yourself. And are you willing to take a short-term step back? And how big is that step back? Is it a half a step? Is it a quarter of a step? How much... How much less are you getting from Liam Eikenberg at 30 at a very cost-control, rookie-bound contract for the next four years than you are at overpaying Daryl Williams at right tackle for the next three years? What is the actual short-term ramification of that? I think it's a total wash. I don't think there's any short- or long-term ramifications other than the fact that I think you got a better long-term player in Liam Eikenberg. If you're going to be consistently playing at the end of the season where your competition will always be good... Yep. Uh, late in the playoffs or in championship games or in the Super Bowl, you, you're you not going to survive very long with guys who you thought would be depth guys and are maybe overperforming. Because the guys who will be across the line of scrimmage for them will be great because you will be playing great competition. So you need to constantly be trying to find guys who are great at their position. It's just how it has to go. And we are still in this mentality, I feel like, maybe a little bit, from the drought, where it's like, oh, hey, this guy's doing better He's than good. You, why? Why would you let a good guy go? Right. Here's. I'm here to tell you, you should try to replace Fred Jackson. Like I'm. I, yes. He, we love Fred Jackson. Yes. We love what he did for the team. I'm telling you, replace him. 
find someone better. Now, you can't do it in every position every year. You have to be strategic with it. You have to kind of map it out and figure out where those things go. But you should never feel, don't be satisfied at any spot unless you have someone performing at the absolute elite level of the league. And right now, for me, that's like three guys. That's Trey White, that's Stephon Diggs, and that's Josh Allen. And other than that... Everybody else is replaceable. I, I think that's I think that's exactly right, and I think it's it's how you replace them, of course. But I I view the and and part of what I'm talking about is the uniqueness of this free agent period, and and what part of what I was saying is there's going to be top level free agents in this in this free agent period that are going to be really disappointed that there aren't a ton of teams knocking down the door to overpay them. And because of that, a, t- a guy like Matt Milano might really say to himself and his agent, they might have this conversation, they might say, we're better off signing a one-year deal back in Buffalo to prove ourselves again and get ourselves to an offseason that isn't going to have a restricted salary cap, that isn't going to have teams like the New Orleans Saints $100 million in the, in the, in the red in the salary cap. I think that's a totally viable mindset to go into this free agent period having. And there are so many guys like that, like Matt Milano, that are going to be faced with this similar decision. Is that a John Feliciano? I don't know. But for me, John Feliciano, I'm willing to pay him what they paid Quentin Spain. Because I need to be able to do what I did with Quentin Spain, which is literally say after four games... That, you know what? I don't. I I made a mistake. I'm ready to move on, and I don't have any real uh, uh, financial impl- implications to make this move. And I just we're making the move. Um, and for John Feliciano, I think he's earned the right to probably probably go find starter money. The question is, is starter money out there for him? And I think because of offensive line is going to be more unique than say linebacker or say cornerback or say. Even defensive line. The reason being is it's so hard to find quality offensive linemen. It just it's become almost impossible. So a guy like Feliciano, who has some time and task, who has some years of looking like a starting caliber player, someone's going to pay him to be a starter because they don't have as someone as good as John Feliciano. The Bills probably don't either, but they've got Butker and they've got Cody Ford, and I'm here to tell you that. They better not go into next season thinking Cody Ford's going to be a starter for this team. Man, Cody Ford's a real wild card because I think they maybe they do. And we're, they're going to find out one way or the other whether or not he's good because he will play. Cody Ford is going to play for them. I think that they're best putting Cody Ford in a position where he's not a lock to start next year. Line, uh, long snapper. They, right, right. It gives Reed Ferguson a little bit of a little competition in his mm-hmm. life, okay? Uh, no, but with Cody Ford, I, I look at it this way: is if you go into the season and you go into September or July, even July, with Cody Ford penciled in as a starting left guard or starting right tackle, you have failed the offseason, in my opinion. I don't think you can do that. I I am not here to tell you that Cody Ford has given been given a fair shake. I'm not here to tell you that Cody Ford hasn't been hampered by a lot of injuries. Life isn't fair. The NFL isn't fair. I don't have time to see if Cody Ford can be his long-term answer at any of those positions this year, any year the Bills are making a Super Bowl run. I don't have time for that. You had time the last two years, and you didn't get the job done. That is the sad reality of the NFL, is I don't have time to wait to see if Cody Ford is good this year. That is way too consequential of a position. You need to go find his replacement, and if you can find... If Cody Ford makes his way into the starting lineup by week three or four because he's better... Sweet. Fantastic. But do not go into this season thinking Cody Ford is taking over a starting caliber position. This is why what you said about Milano 
potentially being willing to take a short-term deal and because of the just the situation in the market is so important because you can win with Matt Milano when the Bills have confidence in his ability and he's he's a good linebacker. Is he the best linebacker? No. But he's good. He's good. And yeah. if you can get him on a short-term deal, it allows you to concentrate on something else. And allows you to put your focus into getting premier players at a different spot. And I don't have to worry about outside linebacker right now because I've got a good one there and I can handle it next year. The more you can do that with players who can get it done and can help you win, the better off you're going to be because it allows you to just not have to replace everything all at once or commit long-term to a position where in maybe two or three years you're going to regret it and you're going to want to make a change there anyway. Like, the Bills are, even though they're very good, they're in a very precarious position to try to improve their roster to be competitive for a long time. And they've got good skill position guys. But do they have enough great players to be competitive for a long time? They're close. I think they're super close. And a couple of a, a good game here or there, a couple of drops of the hat, they might have already won a championship. And all of this is just talking about nothing. But honestly, the goal should be to be great forever. So how do you be great yeah, forever? Well, here's the thing. and This is something I know not a lot of us have talked about. The Bills have $100 million in salary cap space in 2022. $100 million. It's too much. I'll take some of it. If they don't want to have that much, I will take some of their money. I don't want to say that they should consider giving some of that to us. But what I want to say... 8030550 Buffalo Bills, if you would like to call me and give me money. I will also give you my Venmo. That's correct. Although Venmo may cut me off at a couple of thousand dollars. So if that's the case, I've got some other ways that we can we can get a nice wire transfer in here. Sure. Bills. Um, no, but with $100 million in salary cap space next year projected, and the salary that's at this current spend at $180 million, if that goes up to 190 million, 200 million, you could be looking at the Bills having some of the most space in the league next year. With that said, Tremaine Edmonds, Josh Allen, keep those guys in mind because they're going to get paid between the both of them probably about 50 million on the cap together. Right. So if that's the thought, you still have another 50, 60 million. Um, do you start to chip away at next year's salary cap? By making two and three year deals this year that are almost all signing bonus this year and heavy on the salary over the next two years. Because rich owners can do that. Not every team in the NFL is going to have the ability to mortgage next year's free space by signing guys this year. The Bills are in a unique position because they have one of the richest owners in the league. And I think... That if you're Brandon Bean, it's not a hard sell to Terry Pagula that you're close. It's just not. Terry, we're going to need you to spend a little bit more cash this year because we are literally at the cusp of winning a Super Bowl. Get us the get us the flexibility we need. So if that means going out and signing J.J. Watt and giving him a $8 million signing bonus and he only counts for a couple of million on the cap this year... That might be something I might be might be willing to do. We have not heard anything, I think, about how that kind of talk has gone between Brandon Bean and the folks upstairs at One Bills Drive and at Pagula Sports Entertainment. So I don't know what that relationship is like, because honestly, the Bills haven't been in a spot like this before. But this is where all that goodwill that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean having in the bank matters. 
because they can go to Pagula and they can go to the entire crew there and say, listen, trust us, this is necessary. Right. And I would imagine from what we know of the Pagulas and how they run their business that they w- they listen to counsel if they have their trust. So, and I would I would assume that they have that. So if they want it, my guess is they'll get it. All right, quick timeout. On the other side, we've got Paul Hamilton joining us live from KeyBank Center to talk about 11.30 practice this morning. Well, practice already. He'll be joining me at 11.30 to talk about some live practice. And lines, we've got line combinations. We're going to talk all about that next here with Paul on WGR. Well, good morning and welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, everybody. Nick Erie here in studio, bringing you a few more hours of Sports Talk Saturday, going to the West Her Hotline because Paul Hamilton joins me live from KeyBank Center. Paul's appearance on WGR is brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning for your future is more is about more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide. And by Raylax Honda, Raylax, we got this. Good morning, Paul, and good to talk to you, my friend. Yes, it's uh, great to talk to you again. How are you? Uh, no complaints. Uh, it's a little bone cold outside, but, um, you know, it means it's hockey season, and uh, hockey is back, at least for now, at least, Paul, it seems. Uh, and, the, and the Sabres are set to take on the Islanders on Monday, getting back after this nearly two-week delay because of, uh, of a COVID outbreak. And one of the things I wanted to start with with you, Paul, here is, you know, they're back on the ice today, and you reported earlier on this morning that Taylor Hall's back on the ice. Any other players, coaches, because we know this list is pre- pretty extensive that is back on the ice today for the Sabres no just Taylor Hall um, they they've kept uh, Don Granado off the ice so you might recall last year he was on a ventilator uh, with pneumonia and other ailments that uh, they weren't sure he was going to pull through last year it had nothing to do with COVID it was before COVID came about and uh, so he would be a high risk person mm. so he has been up at the top of the 100 level Watching practice by himself, uh, hasn't been on the ice, and uh, Ralph Kruger is still not on the ice. So uh, Steve Smith has been running practice all week. But uh, of the guys you're speaking of, the nine guys, Taylor Hall is the only one. Now he will come off the list tonight. He would not be a practice or in the building if he was not coming off that list. Mm -hmm. So the Sabres will have, if nobody else goes on it, and there's nobody else missing here, so if they were to go on it, they would have to be for something that would have happened after practice. So likely the Sabres list will be down to eight when it comes out around five o'clock. So, Paul, obviously talking about Ralph Kruger here, and you know, it, it would certainly be something if the Sabres get to next week, and at least right now it's looking like it could very well be a possibility that Steve Smith will be behind the bench on Monday night when they face off against the Islanders. From a player's perspective, I'm not sure much changes, but I've got to imagine that's a tough thing if, if you're Ralph Kruger, but this coaching staff as well being that shorthanded. With this much break, though, and getting the things that you need to get in and practice this week, uh, how much do you think that potentially affects affects game day not having having Kruger behind the bench and a short bench in terms of coaches? Well, it's different because uh, Steve Smith, instead of dealing with the defense, would be dealing with the forwards. Now, I don't know if that's going to be a huge big deal for the defense because if nothing changes, your defense is only going to have two regulars in it, Miller and Yoki Haru. Irwin, is a, he's played a couple of games, and then you would have first-time players, Davidson, Bryson, and Borgen. So... Not having Steve Smith there as far as on the bench wouldn't matter to them because they're not used to him being there anyway. So uh, that wouldn't be a big deal for them. But, yeah, things change. You, you, you have to 
coached by feel and make decisions while the game goes on. And Steve Smith is going to have a different feel for a game than Ralph Kruger is. Whether Ralph Kruger will be available like in between periods by phone or anything like that, you know, if he's feeling okay, probably you would think he would be, but uh, he's he wouldn't be in the building if he uh, you know hasn't passed. Co- I'm sorry, hasn't passed protocols. Yes, I speak for a living. Listen, that's the, the tongue twisters for COVID. If nothing else, has brought brought a ton of t- tongue twisters to the table. So don't Plus worry. Plus, I'm worry speaking about it. through two masks, so uh, you know that uh, that makes it a little bit uh, different. Also, it certainly doesn't help. But Paul, you know, I, I ultimately, I, I, listen. I know at the end of the day, these players—they're not hanging their head. No one's—you—you you can't really feel sorry for yourself. There's just not enough time, frankly, to to feel bad for yourself in a season that's already shortened and a slower start to the season that we've seen from the Sabers. But uh, listen, I mean, I, I think it's fair for us to talk about. The fact that the Sabres are going to be in a very unique position to any other team around the league, they're going to be forced to stuff a ton of games and makeup games in a schedule that was already pretty condensed in a season that is pretty uh, – there's just a lot at stake this year for a lot of reasons, Paul. But I don't know. Do, you want, do we want to call this kind of unfair for the Sabres on what they're dealing with? And I guess ultimately we could. this could be a moot point if this happens to other teams and the league is forced to ultimately extend the season at some point, which I certainly wouldn't be willing to rule out. But I don't I don't know. I, th- I look at it at this point. That the Sa- I think the players have all said the right things, Paul, but I certainly think that the Sabres have been, been handed the shorthand of the stick here. Yeah, they're not the only ones. I mean, the, the Devils haven't – it seems like they're going to be out longer. I don't believe the Devils are practicing yet uh, with so many on their list. Uh, Minnesota is finally back practicing, so that's a good sign for them. They're on hold. The Flyers, you know, are on hold right now, and every day their list seems to be growing. So – Vegas has been through this. In the beginning of the season, Dallas went through it and had to have games postponed. Carolina's been through it. So it kind of seems like as the year goes on, every team is going to maybe get a shot at this. Yeah. And uh, um, I I would be very, very surprised if uh, the, the league doesn't wind up going with points percentage because uh, mm. they're still buttonheads with the Olympics. I mean, they lose in the Stanley Cup playoffs. In the finals, they would lose all their TV coverage. Because all the NBC affiliates, USA Network and CNBC, and everything that they've got would go to the Olympics. And uh, so the Stanley Cup playoffs right near the end would basically, I guess the NHL Network would be the one that would have to cover it. Um, So I could see if if this goes much further as far as postponed games. And and that's what I'm going to be talking about when I talk about standings. Because there's such a discrepancy in games. Talking about points makes no sense. I mean, you've got uh, the Rangers have played 13, the Islanders have played 12, Pittsburgh 12, and New Jersey 9, and Buffalo 10. And those teams are going to play on the weekend too, so they're going to be up to 13 or 14 by the time the Sabres ever hit the ice. So to me, right now, it doesn't make any sense to talk about uh, points. It it, it really points percentage, I think, is is really what we're going to have to talk about until – uh, the, the games get a little bit more even. Paul Hamilton joining me live from KeyBank Center on the West Her Hotline. Paul, uh, you know, Jack this week, Jack Eichel, talking to the media a little bit about, you know, using this break to maybe his advantage and, you know, talking about having the slower start in terms of goal scoring. He's still putting points on the board um, going into this season. So, you know, if you're a player, try to put yourself in this position, how do you keep yourself, other than just trying to keep your 
you know, being able to stay in shape on the ice and being in, in game shape when you come back. But what can you do if you're a player to maybe use this time to your advantage and talk a little bit about what you heard from Jack this week talking about that? Well, he confirmed uh, what we kind of thought anyway. We knew he had a shoulder injury coming into camp, and uh, he didn't, he wasn't in training camp to start with, so the shoulder injury was bothering him, and it's been bothering him. And he said this break has been almost a blessing in disguise for him because he was able to rest his body a little bit, and he feels now with the one week uh, to be able to to rest the shoulder, he feels he's at 100%, and he feels he's going to be able to attack the game and that's one of the things he looked at in the tape, uh, you know, how he attacked the game last year when he had his best season in the National Hockey League. And, you know, he wants to get back to that and feels he can and, and really looking forward to it. He's not concerned about the condensed schedule. He said, I, he goes, I love it. The more I play, the, the happier I am and the better I play. So um, he's looking forward to it. But just the fact that he's healthy, that he's seen some of the things that he was doing last year that he wasn't doing this year, um, that you know, I, I think is really going to help him go along. And other guys like uh, Stahl was saying that uh, that once the season was paused and they were in quarantine, everybody got some synthetic ice where they could work on their stick handling. Everybody got a bike in their home from the Sabers that uh, you know they could work out on that uh, just to make sure they were trying to keep a physical edge as best they can when they're you know in quarantine in their own homes. So I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance for asking you this question, Paul, because I'm sure every single time you talk to somebody about the Sabres, their first question is about Jeff Skinner. So I apologize for being the umpteenth, hundredth person to ask you about Jeff Skinner. But looking like, anyways, from the lines that you tweeted out for practice this morning, that he is finding himself on that top line with Jack Eichel and Victor Olofsson. Um, you know, talk a little bit about what you've seen from Skinner in the role that he's been asked to play. You know, from afar, watching him play, I, there is nothing that would suggest to me that he's allowing you know himself being on the fourth line or at least on the bottom of the lineup to affect what he's doing from an emotional perspective I think he's bringing it when he's on the ice I think he's more or less been one of the more unlucky players in the NHL like in the entire league for the better part of a year now what does potentially moving him up in the lineup obviously due to the need because you need bodies but what could that move up the lineup potentially do to spark his offense well, it did nothing for him on the stall line. He had his worst game of the season. In the last game, he played on Stahl's line, and I thought he was awful. I, I don't know if he had a scoring chance all night or all afternoon. I guess those were afternoon games. And uh, I, I didn't think it went well at all. And Kruger said after the game, well, we tried it. We wanted to see what it would look like, and it didn't go well. So he goes, we'll have to look at some other things. So, you know, when I'll, I say the Lazar line has been the second-best line the Sabres have had. Yeah. And last year when he played with Larson, I mean, for the people who are in analytics, that graded out extremely well in analytics. And uh, for two seasons now, Jeff Skinner pretty much has had the best scoring chances on the team. You know, and he, he, didn't, he averaged 30 goals a season in Carolina. He never played with Jack Eichel in Carolina. By the way, he just scored a nice, nice goal in a five-on-five here. Uh, <laughs> just as we're talking about him, of yeah, course. Just as we're talking about him. You know, he never had played with Jack Eichel in Carolina and very rarely played with Stahl. We've talked to the two of them about it. They very rarely played together when Stahl was there with him. So he was able to score 30 goals a year without having Jack Eichel and Stahl back, you know, back there. So I'm a firm believer in it's time to hold Jeff Skinner accountable for his game and, uh, and you know, not be holding the coaching staff or other people accountable for 
what he's doing. If he wasn't getting any golden scoring chances, but he's getting like absolutely great scoring chances. I mean, uh, they're they're grade A, and he just is not putting them away. And uh, that's on him. Ralph Kruger can't go on the ice and score for him. Those chances are being created, and he has to finish. And he has three goals since December of 2019. Three. Is that, uh, you know, Ralph Kruger can't go on the ice and, and put the puck in the net for him. That's a great point. I, and you say a year, or I said a year, that he's been one of the more unlucky players. That's that the, 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 <laughs> the evidence suggests it's been longer than a year. And, and I think that's the frustrating part if you're a Sabres fan, is, is sort of seeing him in these unlucky positions. It's almost like, that's why for me, Paul, is it's maybe even less about getting Skinner in a long-term role on that top line, and maybe more about, let's just see him light the lamp. Give him an opportunity to score a goal and maybe that is the confidence. And I mean, listen, we know that these guys, and especially when they get to this level, they're they can be streaky players. But to your point, Skinner has never really been the type of streaky player that could score 40 goals in a season and then go to scoring 40 goals in an 82 game season to scoring three goals in a year and a half. But that's that's where we are. And and I guess for me is. To your point, which I love, is that it's it can't be on on Ralph Kruger any longer to get the to get him to to put the puck in the back of the net. But if you are Ralph Kruger, is that maybe an opportunity, or in this case, Steve Smith, maybe an opportunity to just get him some damn confidence that maybe he can start putting away those goals and give you the secondary scoring lines that you desperately need, and why you have Jeff Skinner playing with a Lazar and 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 maybe down your lineup a bit. Yeah, and and the thing is too, and that's why I say you have to hold Skinner accountable. One of the things that they, 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 and any coach in the NHL would hate this, and that's one of the reasons why he was traded from Carolina for basically nothing, is defensively, I mean, he cheats the zone. You'll see him all of a sudden take off, and then you've got too wide a gap between the defenseman and the, and the forwards. He's, he's not good without the puck. He tries dangerous plays that sometimes he pulls off and sometimes he doesn't. And they, they're not trying to turn him into Bergeron or anything like that, but they want him to be a little more responsible. And Kruger tells him, if you would just play the system the way we have it, you're going to get your scoring chances and you're going to get you know your, your opportunities to score goals because if it's done correctly, you're not going to be spending a lot of time in your zone. And that was proven when they did play it well in the beginning of the year. They weren't necessarily getting results, but they were spending a lot of time in the offensive zone. They weren't spending that much time in the defensive zone at all, and they weren't getting a lot of quality chances against. Now that changed in the four-game homestand. All of a sudden they reverted back to playing a very poorly defensively and then they were getting run over in their own end and, and were having trouble with that in the four games here. Now they did pick up points along the way. I mean, that, you know, you look at it that way that, hey, they played poorly but still in three of the four games got points. So that's something a little bit different. I think if they would have played like that last year, they wouldn't have got points in any of them. So, uh, you know, that, that's a little bit of a plus. So, you know, I think that's part of it, too. It's just like we're, they're trying to convince Skinner that you need to play the way everybody else on this team plays and, and not necessarily the way you want to play the game. All right, last thing for you, Paul, goaltending um, with Olmark. Um, coming back uh, after you know the unfortunate situation with his uh, the passing of his father, um, are you expecting more of a? Because if you go to the football, right, like it, 
you know, using running backs as an example, the committee approach, it feels like Ralph Kruger has sort of used that same committee approach to his goaltenders um, this to start the season. Do you expect there to be a change when they return to the ice? Are they going to try to ride Allmark more, or do you see a pretty even split between Hutton and Allmark, especially with knowing that the schedule just got a little busier over the next two months? No, with the... Um they basically rode Allmark until his dad, uh, he couldn't play those games. Uh, Hutton hadn't played since Philadelphia, you know, and it was like all of a sudden Allmark was playing game after game. He had a back-to-back, I believe, in there. So they were starting to ride him before the uh, unfortunate death of his father, and I think, you know, they will continue to do that. And and it, it was even said by uh, Hutton himself when we talked to him that he basically realizes that Allmark is the guy, and it's his job to support him. He said, I did it for many years with Pekka Renee in Nashville. I, he goes, I used to get Pekka coffee and everything. He goes, I know how it goes. And he said, that's fine. He, he said, I'm fine with that. And, you know, that's the role that they have for him. That's the role that he'll play. So he seemed to be okay with it, and but admitted himself that basically the job is Allmark's right now. All right, Paul. Well, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Enjoy practice, from the, or, well, the rest of practice this afternoon, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Paul. Paul Hamilton there joining me on the West Her Hotline. And Paul's appearances on WGR are brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning your future is about more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide. And by Raylax, uh, Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this. Quick timeout on the other side. I'm going to preview hour two. We've got Ryan Talbot of New York Upstate, Rich Samini of ESPN. All that's coming up next as we switch gears for football coming up here on WGR. what i mean by computers being able to very clearly replace me you know i mean i could be replaced pretty easily by just music but that would actually just be traditional fm radio yes, so replaced by steely dan just be replaced by steely dan uh hits just the hits all day that's correct yeah that that you do work in radio so that is generally how it works very clearly right i mean you know luckily we sit here on on the am dial and uh, there's not too much radio. Uh, there's not too much music to be found on AM radio. Yeah, anymore. nobody's listening right now, so that's not cool. anymore. Well, that goes without saying. Um, so if you missed any of last hour, just had Paul Hamilton on with me at 11:30. Live update from Sabres practice at KeyBank Center. If you missed any of that, WGR550.com on demand audio. Ryan Talbot's going to join me next. We're going to talk JJ Watt. By the way, do we know what JJ stands for? Is it Jonathan Joseph Watt? Um, I believe uh, JJ stands for Just Joking Watt. Oh. Ladies love cool Watt. I believe that's. Uh, Justin James Watt. I was close. What did I say? Uh, you said uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, ja- Jimmy, Jimmy James. Jo- Jimmy James. <laughs> Is that the Jimmy James? <laughs> that's, it's not, I did not say Jimmy James Watt, but if I did, I... I would have been awfully close. Jimmy James Watt, get your butt downstairs right now and clean this room. So obviously, and TJ is obviously Thomas. Uh, Theodore James We should We should find Watt. out. TJ Watt. And that's the great thing about Thomas Twitter. Jefferson Watt. Trent Jordan. Sure. 
Yeah, go ahead with that one. What, and what's the other one's name? What's their relevant brother's name? B.J. Watt. <laughs> it's got to be the only other option. K.J. Watt? They don't even have them listed. That's how irrelevant. I'm sorry, cool J.J. Watt. John Watt. K.J. Watt. I, I'm so sorry, J.J. Watt's other brother, that you're, you're, you're so irrelevant that not even Google lists you as, as related to T.J. Listen. That's they, tough. They, 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 these are the people they put, quote, related to T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt. T.J. Watt. Sure. Miles Garrett. Okay. Aaron Donald. Okay. Ben Roethlisberger. Sure. Khalil Mack. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Chandler Jones. Okay. Patrick Mahomes. Sure. J.J. Watt. Hmm. That is who is... So that that was the scale. The difference comps. between... These are the, the comps. Difference, the difference between T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt is a mixture of Garrett, Donald, Roethlisberger, Mack, Jones, and Patrick Mahomes. Okay. So that's actually what makes them similar. Actually, is what makes them so different. <laughs> we gotta go. To break. We gotta go to break. Wait, 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 wait. Derek, their other brother's name is Derek. Just Derek. Man, is he the oldest? This Tell is JJ. This is TJ. This is BJ. This is AJ. Derek. That's Derek. Derek Watt. We gotta find out. Okay, so. His name is Derek John Watt. He doesn't go by DJ. No, no, of course not. What a jerk. He's 28. He's the youngest brother. No. They got an OJ Watt? They should. So he's he's the middle brother. The middle brother determining he's going he's getting rid of the abbreviation of the name. It's a power move. More like Derek Lames power move, if you're asking me. All right, time out. Other side, uh Ryan Talbot joins us next. Talk a little JJ or Jonathan James Watt next here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. 